Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn and Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for another edition of the 2023 Offseason Roundtable with one of my favorite guests, a good friend of mine, who I believe has actually been on every single year of the Roundtable, and this is year number six. Welcome back, best-selling author of Van Halen Rising and Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life in music, Mr. Greg Renoff. Greg, what's up, brother? I'm doing well, especially after that nice introduction. Thanks for having me back, Scott. Greg, we haven't talked in a while, and particularly we haven't talked about the Jets, so let's take the temperature of where you're at right now with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. What do you think? With them in in isolation, you know, I uh, I think it's always inevitable, especially now with the way Twitter is, that you, know, you, you read things where people are saying, fire this person, fire that person, especially after the, the down the stretch to collapse. You know, I'm a... I'm pretty much sold on those guys. I mean, obviously time will tell and that could be a completely wrong take, but you know, even if uh, I, I would say, even if they don't, God forbid, make the playoffs this coming year, I would still be in for another year of those guys. I think they're, they're the best combination we've had since, since Rex and Tannenbaum without a doubt. And uh, you know, you really, unlike other um, GMs and other coaches we've had, you really get a sense that they are both uh, in command of, you know, of, um, the team and in their roles and they, they are respected around the league and they're people that, uh, you know, if they got fired, they're going to get hired immediately. Unlike some other GMs or other people we've had who have coaches who obviously have not been hired immediately around the league after they've been fired. Uh, but you know, it's look, you lose that many games down the stretch in that fashion, especially when you're, you're at seven wins at, at about, you know, more than midpoint of the, se- the season. And it looks like you're headed towards a playoff spot. It's not a great look. And there's some holes in the roster that maybe were not apparent to us. Um, in August that are now, you know, kind of very clear, there are big, big problems with the roster, but the, I, mean, that said, I think, uh, we, uh, as jet fans have been more than patient and we want to play off win and we want to play off game, but I look at it and say, yeah, we have, we actually have two guys who are running this organization who are, uh, who are more than competent. I think very skilled at what they do. And, you know, we'll see, we just, uh, you know, don't have endless patience, but I wouldn't be this, uh, you know, fire Sala, I thought was a little bit of the uh, the worst take I'd seen on Twitter, which is saying a lot. What'd you think of the decision to move on from Mike LaFleur? The piece that came out on The Athletic from Zach Rosenblatt, which is really interesting, you know, sort of paints, paints the picture of the, the 
flora is a negative light. Um, you know, it's one of these things that you you can look at the the wide narrative and the wide range of the season and see. Obviously, when you have that much trouble scoring touchdowns down the stretch, and there's that little production um, offensively down the stretch, it's it's a pretty damning indictment of the offensive coordinator, especially when you look around the league and you see other teams obviously are able to plug in quarterbacks that on paper don't look like they're going to be able to um, deliver productivity and they're able to do that. Day after the season ended, I, I actually thought that the uh, there may have been other people who would have taken the fall. Uh, the quarterback coach, for example, or some other other people uh, who were in the building, but not Lafleur necessarily was going to going to take the fall for the for the collapse. But it's uh, you know it's a pretty difficult thing to go back with all the guys in the room again and say, hey, we're gonna, we're going to run back everyone back exactly the same after you have that really disastrous of a stretch. You know, all sorts of extenuating circumstances. Quarterback gets hurt. You lose Brees Hall, Vera Tucker. We can go through all the things, and you sort of see that there was a lot of adversity the team faced, and a lot of things that obviously had a big effect of what happened on the team. But on uh, uh, on the other hand, I, I don't. You know, it's you can't just stand pat and probably say we'll just do exactly what we did last year and expect that we can uh, be confident that things are going to get better. So you know, I wasn't I wasn't shocked obviously when he got fired. Since you brought up Zach Wilson, how surprised are you? with what's gone on so far, and do you think he can be salvaged? Last year, entering the, the season, or I should say entering this past season, you know, in this in the um, July, August 2022, I felt like we were in the same sort of situation we were with Darnold that first rookie year where you saw the the uh, upturn in, in play towards the end of the year. And you, I think you and I talked, and I think a lot of fans were, were cautiously optimistic that they were going to see development from, from Wilson. And then, you know, towards the middle of the season, the Pittsburgh game and the Buffalo game, um, I said to a couple people that I saw, which is sort of a laughable phrase now to consider how bad things have gone for the Jets at quarterback, that, that they sort of maybe had a guy who could maybe maybe this year could develop into a game manager, like just not lose them games, throw a touchdown pass here and there, not make the bad mistakes. But, you know, things just went so, so, so bad. Um, you know, I am a I am actually a believer that Zach Wilson will be a competent quarterback in the league for some years, uh, you know, just based on those flashes we've seen, I just think that it's largely mental. I, I really, really do uh, look into his face. I mean, I could see, you could see it at the Jacksonville game. I mean, just absolutely shell shocked with the booing and everything else. And again, I'm not putting it on the fans or I'm not putting it on anyone, but on Zach Wilson, you got to do better. Everyone faces adversity when you're an NFL quarterback or an NFL player, you're going to have, have that and you have to be able to survive that and thrive in that. And if you can't, then you're not cut out for the job. But I mean, I think, I think whatever um, you can say about his play, how poor it was, we've seen other instances, for example, with someone like Daniel Jones, who's, um, you know, had probably had longer stretches of, did have longer stretches of good play his rookie year than Zach Wilson ever did. And and maybe showed more, but um, you know, to sort of have the resurrection of Daniel Jones this year with less talent around him can kind of show that I think with the right coaching and sort of, getting someone's mind in the right place can make a difference. And so uh, that said, you know, there's no way you can go into next season. When I don't think with Mike White and, and Zach Wilson on your roster and say, this is, we're going to, you know, this is our, our starting two where between these two, you got to bring somebody in who has a better chance of being able to bring this team to a, uh, to a playoff. I mean, it ha- you have to, but um, you know, I, I, you know, it could be all, just sort of the talking points out of the the front office that, Oh, we're keeping Zach. Cause we all know that's what they, you know, we love Darnold. We love this person. We're going to, we're going to keep him. They ended up parting ways with him, but I would be, uh, 
I would actually be surprised if they did that because the at this point the the value of him is so low. I mean, I don't know what you would get for him a fourth round pick. I mean, I would think that would probably be a best case scenario to get that and to have a person the number two pick. And I, I read somewhere today that Zach Wilson is the highest paid jet of all time or something like that based on his rookie contract and you know for that one season or whatever. You know, so it's a lot of it's a lot of money invested in this person and it's a high pick to sort of like walk away from that after um you know, two years is is quite a bit. So I have to imagine he's going to be on the roster with a with a vet. So it's disappointing, though, massively disappointing. And um, you know, that's again going back to the the question of how he was handled and what was going on. And you know, clearly there's a lot more going on behind the scenes uh, than we uh, probably knew until the last you know last couple of weeks, especially where some stuff started coming out. Interestingly enough, I saw that uh, Elijah Moore's father is pretty active on Twitter, and he's been making some statements, which is you know, which I get. You know, you're a parent, whatever you're gonna, you know, Ado can't really fully mute the parents, I guess with this type of stuff and they're going to have things to say, but you know, it was clear that he, you know, there's a story there, right. For at least from the receiver's point of view, Elijah's point of view or whatever, it'd be interesting to hear more about that from what we got from the Rosenblatt piece, but um, you know, something's got to change. And that's part of the, the indictment on, I think on LaFleur is that you had a number of guys were disgruntled for one reason or another. And you know, that's, that's uh, not a recipe for success. This podcast is sponsored by cloud optimizer as a business owner or it manager. Are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Greg, you mentioned bringing in a veteran. What do you think the Jets should do, and what do you think they're ultimately going to end up doing at quarterback? Like you, I spent a lot of time on Twitter. You know, it's interesting. It's sort of like the stock rising and falling. Like Gardner Minshew, like like six weeks ago, his stock was sky high. If you bought Gardner Minshew then, now I don't see any mention of Gardner Minshew anymore. His stock is way down. <laughs> um, I, I don't think you want to part with the draft picks, right? I don't think you want to mortgage the future. You know, you can see what happened in Denver where you sort of just go all in on one guy and say, this is the guy who's going to get us over the top. And, you know, I I think we would be foolish to say that Russell Wilson is done or that he's never going to be able to have play again. But nonetheless, you can see what ends up happening if they, if they just get less than stellar quarterback play out of Russell Wilson. They are in a really, really bad way now with the contract and with the draft picks they've given away to Seattle to get him. Yeah, the Lamar Jackson factor. You know, it's funny how never people never seem to talk about the franchise tag, and I don't. I keep like, adding that to threads, and people never respond. I'm like, isn't he can he be franchised? So, you know, barring some sort of like complete breakdown of relationship with the team, I mean, I would think they're just going to franchise him and keep him. You know, and, uh, and among the, the the quarterbacks that are that are available, otherwise, I mean, the uh, the Rogers factor would would immediately, I think, you know, bring a uh, a person into the into the locker room who, for whatever his personal characteristics might be which might not be loved by everybody i think would be obviously immediately respected and would 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 be um 
I think would galvanize and focus the offense in a way that, you know, based on what we've seen from what happened last year, I don't think you're going to have, you know, you wouldn't have the same sort of problems. I wouldn't think, um, you know, Carr, Carr seems to be a good dude from what people say about him. Like he seems to be a solid, a solid person. Um, and his play obviously had been up and down at times, but I think you're the one who's been saying over and over again, that like Derek Carr's statistics, Derek Carr's performances would make him the number one quarterback in Jets history by, by far. Um, or, you know, right up there with name, I can't remember what the numbers are. And so, I you know, I would I would certainly, if you were gun to my head, who would I want to see them bring in? I'd probably want to see them bring Carr in, you know, based on his age and the way he's played. And, um, you know, you, me, anybody who's been watching the NFL for long enough has seen days where Carr has been um, unbelievable, right? Unbelievably good. Yes, he threw a lot of interceptions down the down the stretch last year and blew some, and blew some games for them. But when you look at their defense of the Raiders was horrifically bad. And so he's, you know, you can certainly understand why you would suddenly start to take risks with the ball that maybe you wouldn't, if you had a defense like we have on the jets where you could score 20 points and be confident, you're going to be able to win a game. So I would really, really not be in favor of parting with draft picks to be bringing a quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback where it's, um, you know, somebody who look, there's no guarantee, right. It could work great. It could, add, uh, you know, there's like Brissett, there's some other guys, right. That are out there too, that, you know, are, are um, lesser, quality and theory quarterbacks that might be available, but they got to do something. And, uh, you know, I think the, the, uh, the reality is if you, tr- if you don't land a top tier quarterback, you have the potential of really, really missing the window, not just for these guys with, you know, they could get fired next year, meaning the, meaning the coach and the, the GM, but also, you know, I don't know where the contracts stand with everything, but like these things are, don't go on forever. You know, you could have a good defense for one, two years and the th- you know, then it's, it's it evaporates and suddenly, it's not the same thing anymore and you've missed the window. So this is the window to really, you know, make that big push. You have to bring in somebody who's going to be able to get them over the hump. Greg, beyond quarterback, this team has to make some additions and subtractions this offseason. What do you think they should do here in the offseason as far as fixing the holes that you talked about and putting this team in the best position to go into 2023 and finally make the playoffs for the first time since 2010? course we talked about the quarterback so we'll put that aside for now but other moves free agency the draft guys they can get rid of to clear up some cap space i just say you know i watched the eagles play last night and you can just see how great their line is how dominant it is and uh you know i know that's what joe douglas had sort of hoped and he you know it seems like there were some things that just went really really wrong you know Dwayne brown gets hurt has a bad shoulder he never really performed you know maybe as well as he would have is healthy even though his age is there you have the um the Becton, obviously, a catastrophic injury in, in camp, which was a whole setback that was uh, really, really, you know, set things on the wrong path. I mean, I really think you've got to build through the the offensive line. That was that was a major problem last year. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think in a vacuum that was the it was the only problem. Uh, I don't think if you had great offensive line play that you were going to have great quarterback play. But you could see um just how poorly once Elijah Vera Tucker went out and and just how the injury started to mount, how they couldn't run the ball particularly. It's just, you know, combined with that with a quarterback who didn't scare anybody. So, you know, that would be really be my my main I would love them to go go, you know, assuming all things being equal, I would love to see them them some draft offensive line, first three rounds, get two guys maybe and and you really just try to shore that up and see what else you can do in free agency. You know, maybe maybe there are guys in free agency or who are worth um putting a contract on, but you know, it's I know that the the uh the reality is the the uh cap money is not as 
as loose as it was for the Jets as it was last year because of the contract they had. And yeah, they may have to move on from some guys. You know, Whitehead, I was really surprised because Whitehead was really good last year with two years ago with um, Tampa, as I recall. I remember watching a lot of clips of him and he was really, really great. And so, you know, it, it would be nice to think that you could be able to go back with someone like him and, um, you know, be able to uh, let him hold the fort and not have to sink money, big money into safety. But that's, for me, that was the just the most damning thing was that you couldn't, and as I mentioned, it's not just one one thing being the only factor there, but not being able to run the ball was just was absolutely, uh, you know, in some ways just incredibly frustrating and just also shocking how they just they they couldn't get two yards when you needed it. I mean, that was how bad it was. It just was, and compared to some other teams around the league where you watch and like you know they they're going to get two yards every single time when they need it. It seems like they never get they never um, have those issues. Meaning the playing the teams that are in the playoffs, which explain <laughs> a lot, you know, and they you know so. I think that's to me that's that's got to be priority one because you you I, you know you get Aaron Rodgers back there and if he's getting pressured like he was let's say in the Jet game we all watched you know he's not going to be very good either no one's good and you're getting like you know guys being pushed up into your face from the you know your guard or pushing being pushed right up in your face you're not no one's going to be good especially when you're a guy like Rodgers is nowhere near as mobile as he was probably ten years ago so yeah I mean I think this is the that's the priority for me. Greg, I want to get more into your wheelhouse now for a second Talk and talk a little rock and roll and talk a little bit about writing books because you've written two great books about rock. One was Van Halen Rising, which was about the rise of Van Halen. And then Ted Templeman, who produced a lot of Van Halen's best albums. You wrote a book about him, Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life and music. And so I was curious, if you were to take a look at the Jets roster right now, and we'll include the front office, we'll include the coaching staff, if you had to go on a tour bus, on a rock tour, with a handful of guys from this roster, who would you pick? And also, as an acclaimed author, if I were to go to you and say, Greg, I need you to write a book about somebody involved in the Jets organization right now. So that could be a player, coach, somebody in the front office. Who would you pick? Who would you want to write a book about on this team? <laughs> All right, I'll start with the second uh, the second one first. You know who I really would like to write a book about is Michael Clemens. Mm. Um, you know, he's like this gigantic enigma to me. Um, really enjoyed his, you know, after he got drafted and he did this interview with the press uh, for about 10 or 15 minutes and talked about how he watched the draft with Delone. And that was, you know, kind of like already made you curious because how many, how many, players maybe there's maybe it's a number of guys but you know you don't usually hear about too many guys who like who don't watch it with family or friends and you know that was curious to me and then he said like his you know he was interested in carl young and uh plato i think or somebody you know uh seneca and all these these um stoic philosophers so you know i would love to, to sort of to, to sit down with him and talk about his switch where he goes from being a calm chill guy off the field to he says to a guy as a total animal on the field so that would be my choice. I'd love to. So if anyone wants to put the good in word for me, and hopefully that will make Michael Clemens mad. I don't want him mad at me, but I'd love to write a book about Michael Clemens. <laughs> um, tour bus. I mean, I think, you know, I would probably try to do it like by by uh, position group. Like what, you know, what position group would I want to go on the bus with? And, you know, I think I think I probably would want to go on uh, on the tour bus with the uh, with the D-line. I think that would be really fun. I mean, I'd love to see the interactions, like I said, between – Clemens, who I, you know, always seems to be shying away from the camera whenever the Jets do their little social media bits, and you know, does seems to be slightly humorous in the way he approaches the world than someone who like uh, Quinnen, you know, who seems much more lighthearted. So that might be a really fun uh, buddy movie type trip there through the through the through the uh, 
the roads of America with those guys. So that would be my my uh, tour bus. I would like to get on the, with the, the D lineman, get on the bus with those guys, and talk to the grizzled veteran and uh, Nathan Shepard and all these guys, and you know really really find out what makes those guys tick. Greg, this might be before some people's time, but you and I, I'm sure, both remember the Super Bowl Shuffle music video from the Chicago Bears, the year they won the Super Bowl mm. in 1985. Ted Templeman, who you wrote a book about, it's a great book for anybody who hasn't read it yet. Go ahead and grab it on Amazon or wherever you buy books or audiobooks available too. Do you think that if the Jets' defense ever becomes an elite unit, Maybe not as good as that 1985 Chicago Bears Super Bowl team, but a really good unit. And they're looking to do a music video. Do you think Ted Templeman would be able to get something good out of them? Oh, for sure. We'll get Ted. We'll get Ted up and up and moving. Get him. Get him uh, back in the game and get him out there. Sure. Yeah. I. I, I think he would. Uh, you know, he, he's a big Motown fan. Maybe he'd want to do some sort of some spoof on Motown with those guys, or if he gets some guys with the horn section going and some guys singing in the back or whatever, and they're they're. Uh, they're nice uh, suits or whatever, but yeah, I think we could definitely do that. And like, like you know, I'm all in. I'm all in on any sort of like cheesy Super Bowl videos if we can just get to a Super Bowl. Sounds like something Woody Johnson might greenlight because he's been having some fun on his social media lately, or at least whoever he hired to run the social media account's been having fun. Yeah, that's the big question. Who's got Woody's phone? Is Woody? Is it Woody or somebody else? That's exactly right. We gotta gotta crack that mystery too. So, Greg, speaking of Woody Johnson, let's touch on him real quick before we run. Woody Johnson is back. There have been reports and there's conflicting information. He got involved in the Michael LaFleur thing. He wasn't quite as involved as people thought. He's going to get heavily involved with the quarterback search. He may not get heavily involved in the quarterback search. Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are on thin ice. If they don't go to the playoffs this year, maybe they're not because Woody Johnson says there's no playoff mandate. What do you think about right. Woody Johnson being back? Are you nervous about him meddling? And where are you at with him in general right now as the owner? We lived through the Chris Johnson era and, uh, you know, Chris, I don't know, Chris said famously, like Adam Gates is coaching where football is going. And uh, so that always sticks in my head. Uh, you know, I think there's this whole range of, you know, owners, owners immediately become great owners when they win. And if your team doesn't win, your owner is terrible. And, you know, I think there's more into it than that. I think when you talk to the players and coaches they talk about how great the facility is and that you know Woody provides everything we possibly haven't I've never got the impression that Woody's been cheap on free agents like you know there's been some other franchises where you know in, in many sports where it's been clear there's been a mandate not to spend and just sort of keep the team mediocre if it has to be we're not spending money on on free agents so you know I, I think you know Woody gets a lot of a lot of flack it's hard to know I mean again it's hard to know in terms of what his, his actual role is behind the scene but you know I would say this I always think it's somewhat amusing to me and somewhat befuddling where people are like this sort of woody meddling is like you know perplexing to people and i'm you know look uh you know if you own something you know you're gonna meddle in it you're, you're sort of like it's you're a billionaire and you own a billion dollar piece of uh property of a company i mean you're gonna meddle in it you're not gonna just say i don't do anything so um you know whatever his opinions are i think it's i think that's something i'd really you know would love to to know too i think we all would really love the true story know how much went into that where woody stood with lafleur um, you know, I think the more I think about it, I think it's more likely than not that um, Sala wasn't gunned to the head, forced to fire fire his friend. I think it was probably, you know, whatever, there was a conversation or whatever, and that there were votes taken, but that it was ultimately up to Sala to do what he thought was right. So, you know, I don't think it was that sort of 
you know, reaching reaching across the, you know, from the top down to the bottom to fire the coach. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think, look, I think anybody, you, me, anybody who owned the Jets and looked at what happened down the stretch with the offense would be interested in seeing something like that not ever happen again. And, you know, it, it would it would be hard for anyone, in my opinion, to sort of look at what Michael LaFleur did to the stretch and say, he did a great job. He, he did an amazing job. I mean, I think there's just a question of whether it was smart to sort of try to reset the system and whether or not it was just a matter of trying to change some of the people around Zach Wilson and try to figure out what we could do to better support the quarterback. Uh, and of course we need a new wide receiver coach because Miles Austin is now um, suspended. So, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm generally a Woody fan. I think, you know, I think he gets a lot of flack for just, just because the team hasn't won a Super Bowl. I think if he wins a Super Bowl, it's suddenly like, you know, he's the greatest owner in the world. Greg, there was a great book called Collision Low Crossers by Nicholas Dowadoff where Nicholas Dowadoff was granted all access to the 2011 Jets. And if you're a Jets fan or just a football fan and you haven't read it, I can't recommend it enough. Nicholas was a guest on the show. We did a deep dive on 2011 with him. I think there needs to be a sequel, and you should be the author. I want the Jets to grant you an all-access pass so you can go behind the scenes and write about what's going on because you're a fantastic author, you're a passionate Jets fan, and I'm really glad that you were able to take some time to come on the roundtable and talk with me again this offseason. Greg Renoff, the author of Van Halen Rising, and Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life and music. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. For those that want to interact with you on social media, and of course, read Van Halen Rising and your book on Ted Templeman, how can they do all that? Hey, I'm at Greg Renoff on Twitter. Hit me up. I'm there all the time. There you go. Make sure you hit up Greg on Twitter and Amazon or anywhere else where you buy books is where you can get his two books. I highly recommend both of them. I own copies of both. I've read both of them from start to finish. And so if you haven't, you should. Also, you should check out playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 breakdowns up on our channel. Visit it and subscribe right now, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 